Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. We are on part 6 of our core values series. We only have one more after today. This is a seven-week series defining who we are, what we're about. Remember what we've been talking about is it matters what, who we are, how we are doing matters more, is more important than where we are going because how we are doing will define where we go and it will define how effective we are when we get there. As you know, when you're on a trip, the only thing that really matters isn't where you're going, but who's in the car. You can go to 7-Eleven with your best friends, it'd be the best thing. Go to the beach with your enemies, you have a horrible time, right? So it matters who's in the car, and then as we pursue God's vision for us, we turn left, we turn right, everybody's flexible because we're unified. So this is so important because things will change, this, that, that'll work, that won't work, boom, 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 you know? And for us to navigate However God leads this thing, because we want to be in step with the Spirit, however God leads it, we got to be flexible with each other. we got to be one. we got to be unified. So uh, the core values so far, number one, we're all about Jesus. Number two, we are dependent on prayer. Number three, we are occupied by the Word. Number four, we are led by the Spirit. Number five, we are the light of the world. Number six, we are all in this together. So that's today. We are talking about all, we are all in this together. Now this is something that... I just really have been praying that there would be a sense of, of receiving and buy-in and like yes and amen from each heart to say the Lord has placed me here for a reason. My life matters. The fact that I'm here matters. And I just think if everybody really believed that and lived accordingly, we would be, it's an unstoppable church when that happens. It's unstoppable. Because it's not about how good of a show we can put on, you know. And I always like to say, you know, this is not, we're just trying, we try to do things quality. But, you know, we don't want it to be bad. But we want to focus on the fact that the body gathers and that's where the power is. And we say this is not a show. And I think sometimes God just turns the sound off and be like, really? Is that, do you really believe that? You know, are you good right now? Uh, and every time, that happened at our launch day, for those of you who are here for that. Actually, the whole thing shut down, you know. Uh, and we kept singing. And both those moments so far have been encouraging to me. Because you, you realize the value of the body and of our voices and of just being with the Lord and being together. So once again, as much as we enjoy these things, they're great. They're extra benefits. Uh, those kind of moments remind us of what it's all about. So uh, number six, we're all in this together. So this is what I really want to press into today. And I want to encourage those of you who are in the room who you may be here and you're like, as far as you know, you're not a part of us. You're like, when you say all of us, you mean all these church people, and I am not one of those. I came here uh, with a friend. I came here because of Google. I came here because I'm depressed and I'm trying to find something to get me home. I came here because I used to be religious. Whatever it may be, you came here and you wouldn't define yourself as one of us. And so as we talk about the fact that we are all in this together, I want to encourage you as you get a kind of peek into what the Bible wants for your life in terms of community. And the value that God wants to give you, if you would trust him, follow him, not only would you most importantly be saved from your sins, because Jesus came, died, lived, rose again for you, which is the most important news in the world, but then we forget sometimes all the benefits he places you into, namely one of them being true brothers and sisters in Christ. And the Bible gives us this picture that our spiritual brothers and sisters have a closer, more intimate, and definitely longer bond than even our physical blood relatives. And so you came in here maybe lonely or maybe wondering what this Christianity thing is all about, and we're talking about us. And I want to invite you in 
to be a part of what God is doing. And I want to show you what real community, what real purpose, what real life as God has designed you is for. So when you hear us talking about us, just remember that's something Jesus is inviting you into, not something you're kept out of. We want to invite you in to what God is doing amongst us. So we're glad you're here and we want you to join us and we want you most importantly to join Jesus and follow him. So as you hear us talking about that today, have that perspective in mind. And so as we think about this passage and this uh, idea, what kept coming to my mind is all the group projects I did in college where 10% of us did 90% of the work. Y'all say yes and amen. Some of y'all are like, I was the person on the 90%. You know, I was, I was the one, hey, in the back, yeah, okay, somebody confess, repent. You were like, I was the one that didn't do jack, you know, and I let everybody else do the work. And I remember how frustrating, I was always the one doing the work. You know, guys, just very focused, very whatever. Uh, that's a joke if you guys didn't. I was not the one always uh, doing the work. Uh, and I just remember, though, when you would be the one doing the work, how frustrating it was and how consistent it was that if somebody said, hey, there's a group project, you already knew based off that assignment you were going to be frustrated. And you already knew based off who the teacher placed you with how much work you'd have to do. You already knew. So I'm with these three people. Oh, they're pretty great, actually. I'm going to cruise. This will be great. I'm with these two people. Man, it's going to be a long week, you know. I'm going to have to work really hard for us to get anywhere. And that can be so frustrating. We all have that experience of being on both sides of that equation in terms of what it means to gather together to get something done. And often, sadly, churches can function the same way, where 10% of the people do 90% of the work, where there's a group of people who are really getting most of the stuff done, and then there's a group of other people who are enjoying the fruits of everyone else's labor. And what I want us to see from here is that the Bible has intended, based off the fact that it's not about you and me in the first place, for all of us to use what God has given us to be a part of what God is doing. This should be unacceptable in the church where 10% of the people do 90% of the work. They even teach you that when you're learning about church stuff like growth or what, how to lead people. They teach you to expect this. This is normative when they train pastors to say, you're 20% of your people and 80% of your work. And we've just been like, okay, that's just how it is. And I want to fight back against that to say, I want to encourage many of you who are already participating, and I want to challenge some of you, many of you maybe, to dive in, use your gifts, be a part of this group project called the mission of God. Let God use you. Let's do this thing together. All right, so Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read verses 1 through 16. That's what Paul says. I, therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he also descended into the lower regions to the earth? He who descended, Jesus, is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. 
until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human coming, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I want to show you three very simple things today. You can write these down. Number one, unity happens intentionally. Unity happens intentionally. Number two, unity comes spiritually. And number three, unity makes ministry. So number one, unity happens intentionally. Number two, unity comes spiritually. And number three, unity makes ministry. And we're going to work through this text piece by piece. So we see number one, unity happens intentionally. This is verses one through three. Unity does not happen by accident. It is not a byproduct of some circumstances. Unity happens with intentionality. It only really happens with intentionality. Look at verse three. It says, we must be, what's the word? What's the word? Eager. Is it not on the screen? Oh, it's not on the screen. Hey. I'm like, come on, guys. Hey. Somewhere. Eager. There we go. Okay. We must be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. Now we got to everybody say eager. There we go. We must be eager. Purposefully eager. Intentional. Just think about right now all the things you're eager about. Think about the things you do eagerly. Are any of those accidents? Can you be eager accidentally? No. This says we must all be eager to what? Maintain the unity of the spirit. This is why Paul says in verse 2, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That's why Paul talks so serious. He introed this whole passage on unity on the body. And he says, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And some of the, the question I have for many of you now is, do you know you have been called? Did you know that there's a calling on your life? A calling on your life, no matter what you feel about it, no matter who you think you are, no matter what gifts you think you have, no matter how many skills you think you bring, no matter how helpful you think you may be, no matter how introverted or extroverted, no matter what you think your life is designed for, your purpose, your whatever, the Bible says you have been called. There is a calling on your life for each one of us, not just for pastors, not just for people. There's a calling on your life. And the question for some of you is, are you living out the calling God has put on your life? Do you even know what it means to walk worthy of the calling on your life? And some of you, once again, I'm inviting you into this because what we see from here is this calling is for people who are in the body of Christ, for people God has called into his family. And what he's doing now for some of you is calling you first into his family so now you can receive a calling for his mission. You have to receive a calling to get one, to live one out. And God now says, listen, you've been called into my family through the death, resurrection of Jesus, and now I want to call you into the world by giving you a purpose and something to live for. And many of you in this room came here, you're like, I have no idea what I should be living for. I have no idea. I'm just kind of wandering around through life, trying to find my purpose, my calling, and things that are not 
God or the Bible in my job, in my skill set, in my whatever, and it's been missing the mark, and you feel loose, like it doesn't work, like your life is unstable, it has no direction. And the reason for that is you have been called, but you have been called according to God's plan. And when you live your calling according to God's plan, you're going to be effective and purposeful. And some of you now are just simply going to be redirected today to say, listen, I have a calling. Say, I have a calling. Say it like you mean, I have a calling. Some of you needed that today. You walked into here and you feel like, man, the guy's teaching whatever, that guy, whatever. And it's, no, 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 no. You and I have equal callings. God wants to use each one of you to do something significant in the world. So this is why I think our basic training membership class is so important. We do this every Sunday now for four weeks in a row. You can catch one today or next month. But we're going through not only who is City Light, what are we about, but what are you? How has God designed you? What is the call on your life? What are your gifts? What does God want to do with you? And we want to invest in you. We want to help you discover the calling God has put on your life. And then we want to help you live that out. And so come to the training. Join us. We want to help you. I want you to look in verse 12 and 16. There are two, there's one word that we're going to focus on today. And the word is building. The word is building. Verse 12, it says that God gives the apostles preaching all these people to equip the saints of the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So the first reference to building is about something people like me do, the leaders who teach and equip. But the second part, look in verse 16, when each part works, it makes the body grow so that it, say it, builds itself up. So the first part is there's people who equip everybody to build. We train, we equip, we teach. The second part is the actual building, which is the people. And I think one of the mistakes a lot of people make is people think pastors build the church. That's not, that's not what we do. We do not build the church. You and us together build the church. We build what God is doing. We're building. So your calling, first and foremost, is building. You're a builder. No matter what you think, no matter how you think you're gifted, no matter what you think you bring to the table, your calling is building on one side or the other to teach and equip and to train how to build or to actually do the building yourself. Your calling is building, and each one of us needs to, as we're going to say today, bring your brick. Turn to your neighbor and say, bring your brick. Bring your brick. I, yeah, I don't know if y'all need to remember the thing I've been saying all the time is don't spectate, don't spectate participate. All right? I'm going to make you do that like a thousand times until people actually loosen up. You get out of this, you know, comfortable facade you want to be in or I don't talk to anybody or whatever. And we look at each other and we encourage each other. Say, bring your brick. Bring your brick. Bring your brick. Now, last week, we talked about, hey, throw in your stick. Build the bonfire. Let's go. Today, the metaphor, I'm just going to give you all metaphors for today, is bring your brick. Bring your brick. That's what I want you guys to do today. If we are building and if the body are the primary builders, then we cannot rely on a select few with certain skill sets that get seen more often, but rather we rely on all of us that when we come, everybody brings their brick. You have a brick to bring to build what God is doing here. This is so important. So we're going to show you uh, a few ways that you can bring your brick, okay? I'm going to try to get practical. The first way is really hard but really easy at the same time. Look at this first part here. The first way you bring your brick is by simply pursuing certain characteristics. Look here. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, 
After that, does he say, I want you to go do something? That's what we normally do. Walk in your calling, so go, you know, change the world. Go be this or that. Go use this or that. What does he say? The first thing he says, he gives qualities, humility, gentleness, patience, love, and peace. So the first way we walk according to our calling is to be something, not do something. I cannot tell you how important this is because once again, I've gone over this before. This is a good question everybody's asking. They're asking me, hey, Nate, what can I do? And praise God, I'm glad you want to do something. I'm glad you want to get involved. But I think sometimes we overlook the things we can do that don't need to be programmatized, i.e. come to church humble. Show up to your lighthouse pursuing peace. Be intentional to express love towards someone. Be patient with each other when we're frustrating. One of the bricks that you bring, and look, I got these little, uh, these little bricks over here, right? These are from my house. They're very, very uh, top-notch stuff right here. Very nice. These are what my, my kids play with. But one of the things is you say, hey, I want to bring my brick. We think skill set. Hey, okay, Nate is teaching, so that's his brick. Teach. Teach the Bible. Great. What do I do? Well, there's lots of things you can do, and we can go over those. But one of them is you bring humility to the gathering. And as we come, we're humble. You just show up humble, ready to serve, not seeking to be known, ready to lift Jesus on high, not caring about what other people think about you while you worship, humble, thinking about anything other than yourself. Me too. That's what we all need to be. So one of the things you do, you bring your break, is you just bring humility. Or as we said right there, you show up, you show up in the gathering, and you know there's something going on around you, somebody's gossiping, somebody's saying something, it's just causing a little division. It's just not, you know, you're just like, eh, it doesn't feel right. And if they're complaining, you know, something's not right out there or whatever, which will be the case, all right? <laughs> Something will always not be right. And they're doing that and you say, hey, hey, brothers, man, this is so important. I'm going to bring peace to this gathering today. I'm going to build. I'm going to be a part of building today. I didn't serve in kids. I didn't uh, preach a sermon. I didn't do any of that, which I hope, you know, a lot of you serve in kids and stuff like that. But I brought peace, humility, patience, unity to the body today. I'm bringing my brick. So don't overlook simply being like Jesus and actively living that out. Bring your brick by being Christ-like. And this is so important. Why? Because this does not happen, right, overnight. You don't just say Saturday night, I want to show up, and I'm going to will love into existence tomorrow. Ever done that? I'm just going to show up, and I'm going to be, I'm just going to love because I feel like it today, you know? No, no, no. What, how do you come ready to love? Well, you spend all week receiving, enjoying the love of Jesus. Receive, and you release. You cannot give what you do not have, and in the Christian world, you don't have what you haven't received. There is nothing you can earn, get, or any of that apart from God giving it to you. So now, if I want to bring love into the gathering, I can't count on the fact I know I should love. I can't count on the fact that love is a good thing. I can't count on what I think love is. Right? The world's definition of love is bad. Love means approval of everything anybody does all the time. That's a really bad definition. That's actually hate, you know. If I was like, man, I love my kids so much, I just want to let them run on the road as much as they want. That's what they love to do. My kids love to run on the road, and I love my kids, so I'm just going to let them run. What would you call that? You wouldn't call that love. Call it hate. You hate your kids, you know. 
So you can't get your definition of love from the world. The world says love is approval of everything anybody does, no judgment. That's not true. That's hate. Let's think logically here. You got to receive the love of God. And you can't just like spend some time Sunday morning real quick trying to look on an iPhone app for two minutes and try to get some little Jesus juke in your life and show up and all of a sudden be super loving. It's impossible. We can't create these things. These are fruits of the Spirit. Fruits of the Spirit. You come, you bring love, and you build. And you're a part of what we're building. So bring your brick by being Christ-like. Number two, unity comes spiritually. I love this. Look at this in the passage. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father. Unity comes spiritually. Now what you'll notice here is unity, it says in verse 3, a unity of the spirit. It comes spiritually. This is so important because it's not the other thing. It's not the unity God gives his people. It's not a unity of preference. It's not a unity of similar likes. It's not a unity based off cultural, racial, socioeconomic agreement or upbringing. It's not a unity based off similar political views. It's not a unity based off similar personalities, hobbies, job titles. It is not a unity based off sports, clubs, social status, or friend groups. It is not a unity based off similar likings in the world, similar habits. It is not a unity based off any of those things. It's a unity of the spirit. The world can build unity off hobbies, political views, likes, similar interests. There's nothing, literally nothing unique about that. Nothing. You do not need the spirit of God to like people who like the same things as you do. But you do need the spirit of God to love people who radically differ from the way you view the world. And to be uniquely Christian is to take the spirit and uniquely have supernatural power. So if it's a unity of the spirit, this is important, it didn't start because you liked someone, therefore it cannot end because you don't like someone now. That's not how it began. It didn't start because you have similar interests, so it can't end because all of a sudden you have nothing to talk about in the world. It didn't start based off any of these things that you had similar jobs, so when you change your job, now I have nothing to talk about. No, it started by unity of the spirit. Our unity comes spiritually. It's a spiritual reality. And it's something we have to press into. And I think if we felt like a little bit more like strangers in the world, we'd feel a little bit more like home at church. If you felt a little bit more like a stranger in the world, you'd feel a little bit more home at church. Because we base our unity off superficial things, we can find that in common with anybody. So a lot of times we feel at home in the world. And when we come to church, we don't prioritize the unity of the spirit because we get along better with other people. And the Bible says, no, this is flipped. Think about it. You just gotta remember, and I think sometimes we don't share the gospel enough to remember this. People think what we believe is crazy. Does anybody know that? A lot of people hate what you believe. They're gonna call you a bigot, they're gonna call you whatever. Call you selfish, call you narrow-minded, stubborn. 
they hate what you believe. And if we experience that a little bit more often, all of a sudden, man, you think differently from politically different from me. You think uh, you you know, you like soccer. I don't know nothing about soccer. You know, I'm watching football. With all these different things, you th- you like to go do certain things. You know, whatever. But I don't like to do. You know, you're going dancing or whatever, and I want to go f- play golf or whatever. I don't know. But it's just like nothing in our worlds combined. But when we get in a room and you're like, yes, I believe in Jesus too. I'm like, oh, praise God. Thank you. You're crazy like me. And we would feel that sense of like, I literally don't care if you're a Republican, a Democrat, if you're young or if you're old. If you came from where I came from or if you understand my culture, I don't care because you profess Jesus as Lord and Savior. And that's the, that's the link. And it feels so refreshing. Yeah, amen. You can clap for that. Yes. Well, we want to show up and say, listen, it's not about that. Remember, remember, Jay-Z can get a diverse crowd together. It's not hard. Jay-Z get a bunch of people from all races and socioeconomic statuses. They'll all come together, but they don't come together in love. They watch a show and they leave. But don't we treat church like that sometimes? We come together, and the room is very diverse, age, socioeconomic, cultural, praise God. But that doesn't really mean anything. Unless we love each other. Unless our unity is of the spirit. So unity is a result of prioritizing superficial, not spiritual connection. We are one in the spirit. So you bring your brick by being Christ-like, and then you bring your brick by being spiritually bonded. Spiritually bonded. And I'm telling you, this happens intentionally. You have to work at it sometimes. You have to pray for grace and help. It's not like you're just going to walk around and say, oh, Nate said, man, we should just get along because we love Jesus. And now I'm like, woo, you know. And when somebody gets there and they, like, don't understand your upbringing, they say something offensive, that's when you decide what your unity is based off of. They say something maybe they shouldn't say. I'm not saying they were right to say it. But your reaction is up to you. Are we going to build unity or are we going to build division? This happens amongst us. You know what I'm saying? We will build a unified group of people based off whether you bring your brick of humility, love, patience, gentleness, any of that. If you and me together don't bring these bricks, we will be divided because that's what humans do. So this is so important, so important. So unity comes spiritually. And then finally, unity makes ministry. Here's a little sentence for this based off what we're about to read. Ministry happens when God-given ability works properly under authority for the sake of maturity in Christ. So write this down. Ministry, real ministry. And by ministry, I mean like the supernatural work of God to change lives and to change the world and to grow and become more like Jesus. I don't mean running program, whatever. I mean like the supernatural work of God that we join in. That happens when God-given ability that you have works properly according to its function under the right authority for the sake of maturity. So if you want to use your gifts, if we want ministry to really happen, this is the way it happens. So look, let me walk through this real quick. Ability, look at verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, he gave gifts to men. And then the Bible is going to continue to teach us here and then 1 Corinthians 12 and other places that God has placed spiritual gifts in his people, all of them that are a part of his family. Every single person who confesses Jesus as Lord has a spiritual gift. The Bible says it's a manifestation of the Spirit of God. That there is a way 
you have been uniquely wired and called based off the gifting God has given you to manifest the spirit of God, the truth of the gospel with power to other people. And that's you. God has equipped you to do that. So he's given you an ability. It is not sometimes your natural ability, not based off the natural way that you do things or resources or all those things. An easy example is to always give is just because you're good at teaching doesn't mean you have the spiritual gift of teaching to be helpful in the, in the body. Not every teacher in America should be a teacher in the church. So just because you're naturally good at something, and praise God for that gift. I'm not saying it's not valuable. I'm just saying that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what you should do in the church. And so now God says, I've given each of you something unique for you to exercise for the good of other people. When that gift here, so that's verse 8, Christ has given you a gift, you. Remember, you have a calling, a gifting. So he's asked you to do something and he's given you the ability to do it. Now when that, verse 16, if you look, works properly. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow. It makes it function. So when your gift is working properly, when you're using it according to how God has designed, when it's functioning well and right, you know, when the check engine light is not on, when the thing's working smoothly, this is when the body builds itself up. Each part working properly. How about this? Each preacher preaching amazing sermons. That's when the, that's when the body builds. No, each worship leader, being, whoa, man, they got the best voice. That's <laughs> awesome. I love the worship. Was that when the body grows? No. Each program that's run with efficiency. And these people are logistical awesomeness, you know. No. No, 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 no. And listen, I hope we have good mercy. I hope it honors the Lord. I hope my preaching is okay. And I hope it helps you. And I hope we run good programs and aren't stupid about it. But what? how does the body build? It does not build by everybody coming, listening to me or somebody else, teach the Bible, go back, and then come back again, do that all over again. That's not how it builds. It builds when each part, boom, 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 is working properly. Working properly. Each part. I hope you're seeing this is so important. This is not our natural way of thinking that you have just a significant role in the life and the health of this church as me or anybody else you think would. We all have to work properly. My gift needs to work properly. I need to do my due diligence and be ready. And so do you. I would hope and pray that many of you come just as ready for Sunday as I do. We all got to work properly. So ministry happens when God given ability works properly under authority. So look at this. God has given apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body in Christ. So instead of us just going rogue and just like, I can do this, I can do that, I'll do this, whenever this and that, God has provided structure in the church to say, here are some leaders I'm going to give you. These people are your servants, not your, like, you know, dictators or whatever. That's why our last core value is we're servants first. We're servants but still leaders, and that's why we say the word servant leader for all of our people instead of volunteer. But it says you do this when you work under authority. And some of you are like me, like, I hate authority. You know, this is, it takes all the God's work in my life for me to love and appreciate authority in my life is good and healthy for me. It's good and healthy for you. So when we use our gifts under authority, which is going to mean you bring peace and all those things. And then finally, for the goal of maturity, look in verse, uh, if you have your Bible, 13. So we all attain to the knowledge of God to mature manhood, manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So now, look, you come in, you got love, peace, humility, and then somebody comes in, you know, and Nate's been working on a sermon or whoever all week, and 
On top of that, you brought the love and humility. Hopefully I bring those things to him. I'm not saying all I got to do is teach. You know, this is a, uh, you bring that and somebody comes in, they teach the Bible. And then somebody comes in and they shepherd, shepherding. They're, they're, they're using pastoral gifts. Now, are shepherds just the people on staff? No. Shepherding is a gifting. And they can have, they can be, you know, whatever. They can work anywhere and do that as their role in the church. So shepherding, some of you need to own this. You're leaving that up to people like me, and God's like, no, nah, bro, I have called you out for that. I have called you out to shepherd, to lead, to pastor, to help, to counsel. You bring your shepherding. You show up, and you do that. Oh, right? And then whatever it else, we can keep doing. The evangelist, somebody, man, you're going out, and you're helping all of us learn what does it mean to be effective in sharing the gospel and witnessing to the world. And you know what we do sometimes is because of the way we build church, we expect one person to be all these things. And if that one person is gifted enough, skilled enough, mature enough, awesome enough, the church will grow. But I think that kind of growth is a facade. It's not built off the right foundation. And so what I want us to do is, A, not expect this. Just to be clear, I cannot do all these things at the same time. I'm no more great than anybody else in this room, just like you. I'm human. I got tons of flaws. I've got limited abilities. And so if you're counting on me or any other person you see up front to build this church based off of what God has placed in us, you're going to be mistaken and disappointed. An easy way not to get disappointed with me is to have low expectations. <laughs> just low. You know what, Nate? You got like a couple jobs. Just do those well. You know, everything else. That's a little bit of a joke. Okay, I hope you have it. High expectations, character, those things are important, okay? But you get what I'm saying. Y'all get what I'm saying. We expect one person to do all these things, and that person, you know, stands on top of all their great gifts. This would crumble if I did that, and the, the people see and the church is built. But the real way you build the church is everybody brings their brick. You have a calling on your life. The goal is maturity in Christ. Look at this. To mature manhood, not tossed to and fro. The real goal of the church is to function well so that each one of us at any stage in our life is growing and is strong because we know that the world is going to have lots of attacks. Satan is going to have lots of attacks. And if we're not on a firm foundation, some of us will fall. And the Lord says, I, I want your pastor and your leaders to help in building you up, but it's the body who builds itself up in love. And if you bring your brick and if I bring my brick, we're going to build each other up. You know, when I think as we close, when I think about this, uh, first of all, I'm super appreciative. Those of you who see what we're doing now, this did not happen overnight or by a whim. It happened because a group of people over the summer began building their bricks. And a group of people began to show up and say, well, I can do this, I can do that, I can do this, I can do that, I can be like, you know, I can work. And over the summer, things began to build because it wasn't built off one person. Everybody say, let me bring my brick. And the reason we're here today and functioning at any level is because some people said, I can be a lighthouse leader, I'll be ready when we start. Some people say, I can serve and do admin because, Nate, I know that's not you and I'm going to help you out. I can, I can structure this baby so it works. And some people came up and said, man, I'm really just, I'm a good, you know, connector. I make people feel at home, welcome. I can do that. And some people say, I'll just show up and be these things. I'll bring love and kindness, humility into the room. And everybody's been doing that for months now. That's the reason this thing exists. So first of all, just some love and a shout out to those who have been doing this. And secondly, a call for everybody to buy in to bring your brick. Because if this and all, the, all that God's doing is a result of that, 
Imagine what the result will be if this whole room does that. If this is a testimony to a small group of people buying in and bringing their brick, imagine, just imagine what God would do if this whole room brought their brick. And so that's what we want to see. You know, I think about this. Some of you have saw this on my Instagram. I had a, my, my oldest son had gotten literally wet asphalt tar on his hands and feet. This is no joke. I get a call. I'm like on my way home. Chris is like, I don't know what to do. He tarred himself. They were doing a new road construction. Somehow he found a little hole there and it had literally leftover wet asphalt. And he put his hands in there. I said, son, like, you know, sometimes as a parent, you're like, what in the world? I said, what? What were you thinking? And he said, I thought it would make me like Spider-Man. <laughs> I'd have sticky fingers, you know. And I was like, I mean, that's pretty reasonable. I can't argue with that. Like, that sounds about right, you know. And we were like, okay, what do we do? And the kids were like, he's going to turn into a road. That's what the kids kept saying. <laughs> they, were, they were literally crying. It wasn't funny to them. They were like, he's going to turn into a road. He's going to be a road. I'm like, that's not going to happen. But I, in the back of my mind, I was like, I don't know, though. You know, will his, hand, his hands might be a road. You know, I have no idea. I was like, what happens when you get wet asphalt on a, on a body part? Like, what? I wasn't, nobody shared this with me in parenting seminars or something. Like, nobody helped me. So, you know, what do you do? Your good friend, his, your good friend's name is, anybody guess? Google, thank you. You go to Google and say, hey, what do you do? And there was actually YouTube videos about this. So people were, this has happened to other people before. And I began to read it through and it was like, okay, you got to go. And uh, first of all, you got to get one of those scrubber things. And it was like, I don't have anything like that. So I went and got a loofah out of my, out of my shower. So I got the shower loofah. That was the, that was the, the scrubbiest thing I had. Get the shower loofah. Okay, and then the next thing was you got to get some mayonnaise. I was like, mayonnaise? What in the world? And it's like, whatever, just get the mayonnaise. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I'm just reading the thing. He's not even explaining stuff. He's like, just get it. Okay, fine, mayonnaise. Okay, then you got to go get some vegetable oil. You know, mayonnaise, vegetable oil. I'm like, what? Am I cooking a cake? Like, what is happening? I'm making, what is going on? Mayonnaise oil. Okay, then dip them in, put them in a big thing of soap, soapy water. So but I'm like, I'm not going to put him in a bath because then he's going to get tar everywhere. So we, we got our little pool outside and just filled it up with, like, uh, soap and then started putting them in it. Uh, and we took his, he took his clothes off, he has underwear on, he's sitting in the, in the pool, in the middle of our yard, you know, where everybody can see, and I got mayonnaise and vegetable oil and a loofah. <laughs> and people are like, I'm going to call CPS on these people real quick, like, what is happening over there? Uh, and the, the funny thing was, it actually worked. You needed the mayonnaise to somehow, like, soften it up. And then you needed the ingredient of the oil to, like, I don't know, the grease or something helped it, so whatever. So you soften it, and then the grease helps it slip off, you know. And, and then you take the loofah, and you're da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I guess the soap and stuff just makes you smell good while you're doing it. So you get to take a bath, you know, all these ingredients together. And it wouldn't have worked without all that. And I want you to see the same thing is true with us. To say if we want to make any spiritual progress, if we want to help each other get the sin, you know, the stains of our lifestyle off of our hands and fingers. We want to grow in Christ. We want to become more like Jesus. We want to be the church God wants us to be. It's going to take a little bit of mayonnaise, a little bit of vegetable oil, and a loofah. And somebody's going to bring the soap. And we're all going to put those things together and it will do something. But if all we have is the soap, i.e. the sermon, we won't make it so far. If all we have is just the mayonnaise, and some of us will look at mayonnaise and be like, that's stupid. Why are you bringing mayonnaise? And that's where we need to honor and respect everyone's gifts, what everyone brings. And a little bit of this, and a little bit of that, and a little bit of that, and progress. And I want you to see that's exactly how the body works. And God is calling you to bring whatever it is he's put in your life. It may look like mayonnaise. It may look like soap. It may be weird, like a loofah. 
but God has given it to you and he wants you to use it. And we will only progress as far as you use your gift. That's our baseline. And so for those of you who are in the room, you're like, man, I know you said in the beginning, I wanna invite you into this. Jesus has died and risen again so that you could have access to God's family, so that you could have access to eternal life, so that you could fulfill your calling, use your gift, live a life that matters. And God is inviting you in to this family gathering today by choosing to follow Jesus. Bring your mayonnaise or whatever it is you got and come join us. Let me pray for us. We're going to do a quick little exercise. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you for all you are for us in Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you've given us each something to bring. Lord, you've told us to bring our brick. I pray, I pray this would not just be a sermon. Lord, forbid, I pray that each person in this room, especially those who call you Father, would take the opportunity to find and lean into their gifting, that they would bring their brick and really be used by you, Lord. And we pray, God, for everybody in this room who doesn't know you, that they would trust you, that they would join this family, that they would receive the calling of salvation today and follow you. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.